0: Hurry in during Ram Truck Month and discover what it truly means to drive a truck that's built to serve. Ram 3500, with an available legendary Cummins engine. Ram TRX, the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built. And Ram 1500, ranked number one in driver appeal among large light-duty pickups in 2022. That's three years in a row by J.D. Power. Hurry in during Ram Truck Month. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards.
1: Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to the Dogland Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Drokey. As always, I got Jack McCurry rolling alongside with me. Jack, man, how are we doing today?
0: Doing all right. Um, you know, still on vacation. I got to go into work tomorrow and then I'm off again the rest of the week. But, uh, you know, can't complain about much. Uh, you know, I'm healthy. Life's good. Browns are 4-1, and one, man. So not too much to complain about.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a fun week. Uh, or the last, uh, really yesterday and today, you know, after the Browns going four and one, things are a lot less stressful when you think about football and you know think about the Browns and uh, you know this is something that you and I haven't seen uh, before. Uh, I mean, we were both like two and three the last time that a four and one start has happened uh, for the Browns, so. Um, you know, this is the first time that we really get to experience this, and it, it's a it's a fun ride. And you know, obviously, there's a big game on Sunday uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and um, you know, we want to get in here. Uh, we're going to have uh, Tony Serino on uh, on Thursday to, to break that game down. But uh, on this episode, we have uh, some Browns news to discuss. Uh, we're going to go around the AFC North a little bit, and uh, even talk some topics that are are going uh, around the NFL. Currently, um, oh, Anthony, to start,
0: I didn't go. I don't mean to cut y'all, but I completely forgot because I mentioned this Sunday night. This is our 200th episode of the pod, too. Man, I mean, this is, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs>
1: uh, it just shows, uh, I guess our awareness of uh, of where we're at right now. It's great, yeah, it is crazy that uh, we've done 200 of these things. You know, when we started this thing, uh, was it four years ago now? Um, uh, it was spring of
0: twenty seventeen. So yeah, it's about it was about four seasons ago. So yeah, it's been crazy. Time has flown.
1: We we've suffered through a lot of losing. So the fact that we're falling right now is uh is a nice change of pace and hopefully uh it continues to be that way. Um, we wanted to discuss some of the Browns news uh that's out there and Jack we're gonna start with Greedy Williams who uh the, the Browns placed on Uh, injured reserve on Monday with uh, a pinch or just a a nerve damage in his shoulder. It's not a pinch nerve. It's just nerve damage in his shoulder. Um, You know, they thought, and many people thought that over the last, you know, three or four weeks, he'd be able to play. He'd be able to get in there, but it just hasn't happened. And, you know, I think clearly there's some kind of setback uh, with Greedy, and I know they were expecting him to do a lot this season. Jack, um, Without having Greedy in there, they've done between Terrace Missile and Denzel Ward, they've done a, a decent job. But now, you know, for the foreseeable future, Greedy is not going to be there. So, how do you think this secondary who has been hit hard with injuries all year long is now going to have to continue to not have uh, one of its projected starters at cornerback?
0: Yeah, it's really disappointing that, you know, We may not see Greedy Williams at all this season. I know um, Kevin Stefanski and even Adam Schefter reiterated that they, they're hopeful he'll come back. He doesn't need surgery, which is a good thing. Um, But it is disappointing because, you know, Greedy was one of these guys that everybody was going to keep an eye on see if he was going to be able to have a bounce back second year after a rookie year in which he struggled. Um, But who knows? And now his future will be even more in the air because you know, the Browns could be in a situation next year where, you know, Mitchell will be a free agent, Kevin Johnson will be a free agent, and the Browns could be in a spot where they draft another corner, Um, especially because there are some talented corners coming out in in the 2021 draft. So definitely going to be something to keep an eye on there. Um, You know, it's interesting that, you know, this could be why the Browns didn't place him on IR at the beginning of the year, because they were probably hopeful that, you know, the nerve... Damage would, uh, you know, heal up in time and they didn't feel like maybe they had to put him on injured reserve. Now they're in a situation where they they felt they had to maybe shut him down because maybe they were trying to get him to work through it or see if he could rehab it. Uh, Now they might just be shutting him down just to see if it'll heal on its own with more time and. If not, they'll take the next step, but definitely disappointing. Uh, Greedy was one of the guys I was definitely keeping an eye on coming into this season, but now it's just kind of sit and wait. But, you know, it's not a major loss because Terrence Mitchell's played well. Kevin Johnson has slid in comfortably into that nickel role. Um, You know, we've seen flashes from other corners as well. So, And, of course, we have Denzel, who's one of the best in the game. So uh, all is not lost, but it's unfortunate that we won't get to see Greedy for some time now.
1: Yeah, thank goodness there's a, a little bit of depth there with uh, uh, Ward and crew, uh, at least at cornerback. You know, those, um, they've played well as a unit. I know the, the rest of the secondary really hasn't, uh, but. Uh, You know, they've kind of held it down so far, and hopefully, you know, knock on wood, nothing else happens to where they'd be really put in the bind. But, um, you know, they're not going to have Greedy for the foreseeable future. Another guy they're not going to have for the foreseeable future is Garrett Gilbert, who signed with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Gilbert was on the Browns practice squad after uh, being cut after um, during the roster cutdowns back when those got trimmed. And, so he heads to Dallas, and now uh, I would imagine uh, they'd have to find a, a practice squad quarterback, unless they have a second one on there that I'm forgetting at the moment. But, um, you know, I Dallas obviously lost Dak Prescott uh, probably for the season, most likely for the season. And so they're, they're more than likely he'll be uh, Andy Dalton's backup uh, for the foreseeable future down in Dallas.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh all the NFL teams have had the ability to protect guys, but the day after games, typically Monday, you know, teams have that window to where they can snatch guys off the practice squad and Dallas obviously took that uh uh moment and signed Garrett Gilbert to have as a third quarterback, you know, he might end up being the backup, like you said, to Andy Dalton. Uh, it's unfortunate because he had that connection with Baker Mayfield. They they're from the same town, went to the same school. Um, and, you know, the fact that the Browns had protected Gilbert each of the first few weeks of the season showed that they, you know, I think had a vested interest in him uh, to keep him around as an extra arm, just in case, especially this week, it's kind of concerning because, you know, Baker has, you know, that rib injury, you know, he was, you know, shaking his hand a little bit when he took some of them hits late in the game on Sunday. Uh Maybe that would have been a situation where they call him up to, you know, potentially to be an emergency quarterback had, you know, Baker, for some reason, wouldn't be able to play, although he's going to, and they'd have to throw Keenum out there. So uh, I think it's a, it's a hit for the Browns, but like you said, maybe they go out and find somebody else to sign to the practice squad. Um, they did have, I think his name was Davidson during trading camp. Maybe they bring him back. So, uh, I mean, we wouldn't have seen Gilbert probably this year, but obviously the Browns had some kind of uh, trust in him that they kept him around on the practice squad.
1: Yeah, you know... Uh... Maybe uh, if one of our backups was playing, we'd have a a better record, uh, according to some radio stations. But, uh, you know, I'm not surprised he got posted. I know he's had that connection. You know, really, the the Browns are extremely comfortable having Keenum uh, as a backup. They gave him quite a bit of money, so um, they'll be able to find somebody uh, to stick on there on the practice squad at some point. Um, going around the, the AFC North, uh, it, you know, something that we wanted to, to do on this podcast and kind of, you know, look at the current situation, because right now, Jack, there are three teams, uh, in the AFC North, um, that are really fighting for that top spot with the, the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who still haven't lost the game yet, and the Cleveland Browns. And when you look at these three teams, um, you know, a lot of people thought going into the season that there's a, a possibility with the expanded, expanded playoffs that these three teams could get into the the postseason. And, you know, right now, if the season were to end today, that would be the case. Um, Jack, are, are we surprised by uh, the, the amount of. Uh, uh, wins that the AFC North has piled up to pretty much be the, the best division of football with the, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Ravens?
0: No, not at all. I think, you know, when they expanded the playoffs this year, um, I think a lot of people had three AFC North teams just because the amount of talent on each of those teams and the starts that they're all having, it's it's not a surprise. I mean, you know, Baltimore was coming coming off a 14 and two season last year, obviously they got knocked out in the divisional round or was it the wild card round? I don't remember, but um, I mean, they obviously had a good team brought pretty practically everybody back except Earl Thomas. We knew Pittsburgh was always going to be a threat because of their defense and the fact that Ben Roethlisberger was coming back. And then, you know, the Browns were an unknown according to some, uh, but I think it's clear and evident now that, you know, they upgraded the talent on the lines of scrimmage. Uh, they upgraded their coach, which obviously wasn't hard to do if if you watched Freddie Kitchens last year. So, I mean, we're sitting now, we got three teams with at least four wins. And, you know, if the playoffs started today, they'd all make the playoffs. And I think by the end of the season, all three are going to be in the playoff hunt, barring some epic collapse or unforeseen injury.
1: Yeah. On uh, the other side of things, you have the Cincinnati Bengals, who have struggled mightily this year. And, you know, it's that, you know, no fault to your quarterback who Joe Burrow has done a great job of, um, you know, being a number one overall pick. The problem with them is the offensive line. And we saw this last couple of seasons with Baker Mayfield, the, the offensive line for the, the Bengals is not very good to, to put it plain and simple. and, Uh, Joe Burrow is constantly getting pressured, constantly getting hit. I was watching the the game uh, on Sunday uh, against the Ravens, and I'll tell you what, he was getting hit every other play. And it's a a shame that um, he has to endure that. Uh, You hope that nothing serious happens, but... The the way that offensive line looks, it looks like that at at some point this season, they're going to get him killed. And I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't make it through the entire season with the way the offensive line is playing.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's already been sacked 22 times in five games. And uh, I did the math. He's on pace to be sacked 73 times. If it stays on this pace uh, through the whole 16-game season, and you know, we talked about this when we were previewing the Week Two matchup, Browns versus Bengals, and we've seen what our defensive front did to their offensive line. Uh, it's real unfortunate because we all know how talented Joe Burrow is. Uh, he put it on display at LSU. Obviously, he was talented coming out of high school. That's why Ohio State recruited him. Uh, but we knew this was the situation for him. You know, they have all these skilled players down there in Cincinnati but it all comes down to the to the offensive line if they don't protect him then Burrow doesn't have time to make throws and make plays um you know everybody was saying oh he's the next Derek Carr or not Derek Carr David Carr uh we seen the beating that he took uh, for that expansion Houston Texans team and it, it ruined his career obviously i mean he was he was out of there within three or four years. He was a backup the rest of his career. Never got to see what David Carr truly was as an NFL quarterback. So hopefully they get that together in Cincinnati, um, you know, except when they play the Browns, obviously, because um, Burrow is mega talented and he can get the, that franchise on the right track. But, I mean, if he keeps taking a beating, uh, we may never truly know how talented he really is.
1: You know, you mentioned the, the talent that they have on, on offense there. You know, guys like uh, uh, Joe Mixon and A.J. Green and um, Tyler Boyd, the other receivers that they have. Um, A.J. Green's kind of not been a, a, a factor uh, this season. And there's a, a instance uh, on Sunday during the game against the Ravens where uh, I don't know how much you want to get into lip reading, but... Um, uh, it, it looked like whoever he was talking to, uh, he said something to the effect of "just trade me." Then, Jack, would you be surprised if uh, AJ Green is on the Bengals by the time the trade deadline comes?
0: I mean, this was talked about last year, and you know there was obviously the theory out there that uh, his foot injury was just a way for him to not play because he knows, you know, how bad the Cincinnati Bengals are. I just don't think. That AJ Green is handling this situation the right way Um, I think it's obvious he would like to move on you know he's entering his what his ninth tenth season Uh, he clearly wants to go play for a contender you just don't do business this way I know it works it works for some but like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown but you obviously see where they're at right now in their NFL careers one is about to get traded for you know uh, Nichols and pennies where and the other one's out of the league so i mean could i see aj green moved maybe his he's got a big contract big cap hit um would be interesting to see who would be interested in him and where they would where he potentially fits uh but unfortunately i think he's stuck in cincinnati uh at least through this season and then you know he can sign with someone else when he becomes a free agent this offseason
1: you know we know that uh ownership down there doesn't really like to, to move players uh, like that, especially ones that are on, um, uh, heavy contracts. So, you know, I, I would definitely not be surprised if he's on the, the Bengals uh, after trade deadline, but, uh, it certainly wouldn't shock me if, uh, they're able to find somebody, uh, to, to take on that contract and, you know, get some draft capital in return. It's not going to be much, but, um, you know i wouldn't be surprised if if they just decide to go ahead and move on from him um uh, the team that they played on sunday uh the baltimore ravens are are continuing um, to have a fast start uh, you know they only have one loss on the season and you know the the, the ravens while looking imp- uh, impressive uh defensively uh, against the Bengals, they kind of struggled a, a little bit on offense. I know they put up quite a bit of points, but uh, it was a struggle uh, on Sunday for Lamar Jackson to to get things going. Um, you know, we saw this early in the season last year for the Ravens where they struggled to get things going. And after five, six weeks, uh, everything just clicked and it propelled them all the way into the playoffs, uh, where they eventually lost to uh, the Tennessee Titans. Do you feel that uh, things will get clicking again for this Ravens offense to where they could be um, as dominant as they was uh, as dominant as they were last season? Yeah,
0: I, I think so. I think, you know, part of that could be, you know, just, you know, trying to get Lamar to throw more. And I think they're trying to showcase his abilities as a passer. And while Lamar can throw, it's obviously not the strength of his game. The strength of the the game and obviously the Ravens offense is the running game. And, you know, while I think Lamar wants to prove to people that uh, he can throw and he can be one of these elite passers in the league, you got to keep rolling with what got got you to this point. And what got you to this point is obviously the running game. And while they are still putting up great numbers, 161 rushing yards per game, um, and obviously you have three talented backs back there in Ingram Edwards Dobbins. And obviously we know Lamar's ability as a runner too. just keep doing that. And when you keep doing that, the passing is going to open up. And I think also part of it is, you know, you don't really have a serious threat at wide receiver or even tight end, even though Mark Andrews having a great season so far, 222 yards, five touchdowns, you have Marquise Brown, but is he really a legit number one threat? I would say No, so I think, you know, if they want that passing game to open up, they may need to go out and find a legit number one receiver. Maybe they call Cincinnati and ask them what it will take to get AJ Green. Wouldn't want to see that as a Browns fan personally, but you know, they were linked to Des Bryant. They were linked to Antonio Brown during the offseason. I think they were even linked to Josh Gordon at one point, even though, and he's already re-signed with the Seattle Seahawks and obviously is waiting, reinstatement. statement. But if the Ravens want to prove and Lamar Jackson wants to prove that he can be one of these elite passing quarterbacks, they may need to go out and get that legit home run threat at wide receiver because I just don't know if Marquise Brown's really going to be that guy for him long term.
1: Uh, Speaking of wide receivers, uh, the team that the Browns play uh, on Sunday, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, their rookie, rookie wide receiver, Chase Claypool, scored four touchdowns in their win over the Eagles. He had three receiving touchdowns and he ended up uh, getting another one on a run. It, you know, Jack, it just seems that Pittsburgh, year after year, um, is able to find talent uh, in the draft uh, in that wide receiver, whether it's Antonio Brown or it's Juju Schuster, whether now it's this year with Chase Claypool. Um, I know there was a lot of talk that Claypool mo- could move uh to tight end uh during the draft process, but uh the Steelers have found a, a very good way to to utilize him and you saw that with the incredible production that he had uh and the Steelers went on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I mean I was amazed by him and you know there I think it was a tight end at Notre Dame, uh, but they have converted him to a wide receiver and I mean, he's getting off to an unbelievable start. I mean, and this is something I think we should definitely talk about with Tony later this week, uh, the Steelers and you mentioned it, they just keep churning out wider. receivers year after year and you know there's the talk in Pittsburgh are they going to extend Juju Smith Schuster well honestly you're looking at it right now you won't need to you have James Washington there who's you know practically their fourth receiver right now you got Deontay Johnson who many think is another star in the making at receiver uh Claypool obviously and they had a guy on Sunday Ray Ray McLeod he's 24 years old he was making plays uh as both With jet sweeps and all that so that could be another wide receiver they have in the making, but they just continue to churn them out I'm fascinated to see like what they do in terms of developing wide receivers because you know that would be something that maybe the Browns need to implement for when you know Landry and Beckham hit the backside of their careers The Browns have wide receivers to step up and start contributing after they're gone. So, uh, you know claypool is a stud uh, hopefully the Browns are developing a solid game plan to shut him down on Sunday because he's definitely uh, probably their biggest threat on offense right now.
1: You know, I, I think the thing with Pittsburgh and I, I agree that we should talk uh, to Tony about this on Thursday is the the thing about what Pittsburgh always does so well is they draft guys two or three years in advance of the person they're going to be replacing. It's not often where you get a rookie like Claypool in there and, and make an immediate impact for the Steelers. And I, I think that that's what makes the situation uh, very different. You know, they have a, a guy in Juju on the other side of him, but um, if Claypool is able to uh, continue out the production he had in this game on Sunday, you know, they're certainly going to have to, to play him more often and, and not let um, him sit and whatnot. You know, he certainly seems to have forced his way onto the football field. It paid off for them on Sunday. And now they've shown that, all right, now we have two guys you really have to cover and look over um, to, to go on top of James Washington and others. So um, they're going to have to pay attention to where Claypool is at all times. And obviously, uh, where, where Juju is, uh, among others. And uh, they're certainly going to challenge this Brown secondary who, uh, you know, let's be honest, has been uh, less than stellar.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our our secondary is going to have to play their best game all season this Sunday because there are so many weapons in that Steelers uh, offense that, you know, it's going to be up to, and especially the safeties, like Sendejo. He's been struggling. He needs to have his best game, whether it's Ronnie Harrison or Carl Joseph or Sheldrick Redwine. Like they got to protect that middle of the field because you have all these guys can kill you with the big play. Uh, And all it takes is one of those deep throws by Ben, even though he's been struggling with that deep ball this year, um, which isn't a surprise coming off the elbow injury, but all it takes is one big play and it could really make or break the Browns, uh, potential five game winning streak and it'll really, it could really shift the game on Sunday for sure.
1: Uh, Before we get uh, out of here, Jack, we wanted to go around the NFL a little bit and and touch upon some of the the news topics uh, that are going on currently. Uh, It's weird to have a a NFL game on a Tuesday, but that's what we're going to have tonight. Um, The Tennessee Titans finally get back on the football field as they play uh, the Buffalo bills this evening. Um, obviously Tennessee has dealt with a, a whole bunch of, uh, uh COVID cases and, and an outbreak, uh, within the team. Um, Jack, I, I know you and I have talked off air about the, the, NFL's handling of, uh, the schedule for, um, for this game and among other games that they've had to move. um, Jack, after being gone for so long, are the Tennessee Titans going to be able to, uh, you think, still compete and, and play at a high level uh, tonight against the Buffalo Bills? Yeah,
0: I think they're gonna they're gonna look a little rusty. That's for sure because obviously, you know, their training facility's been shut down. They did go practice at a high school uh field was it last week and got busted for it. It's gonna be interesting to see how the league. Um, throws down the hammer on them in terms of uh, punishment because, you know, there was the rules like they couldn't, they couldn't group together with the facility being shut down. But um, yeah, I think they will be a little rusty. They're obviously going up against a tough Buffalo team that's been off to a hot start. Um, So hopefully, you know, it's a good game. Obviously, you know, this is actually, it's going to be interesting. Like, does the NFL tour with the idea of having Tuesday night football? I mean, obviously I think they'd like to have it every night of the week if they'd like to. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I would expect some rust at first for Tennessee and then, you know, hopefully they get back on track. Maybe they just, you know, focus heavily on the running game tonight. Like if anybody has Derrick Henry in your fantasy football team, you might get a big outing out of him. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how good they look after being on such a layoff. Because of the COVID situation.
1: How how do uh you feel about the the NFL's handling of the schedule? I know uh we saw today where you know they're discussing that uh, the, the playoffs in the Super Bowl could be in a, a controlled bubble, but with specifically what's happened to the Tennessee Titans and affected other teams as well, uh, you know, like the Steelers where Uh, The Steelers had to have their bye week last week because the the game was postponed, Um, and and they moved it on to to later in the season. How do we feel uh, about the the NFL's handling of this and uh, what they've done, what they haven't done with um, uh, in terms of making everything uh, right with the schedule and maybe not planning on something like this happening and and including more bye weeks when they originally – uh, release the
0: the schedule yeah i think you know they should have added more bye weeks and they needed to be more flexible with the schedule uh because i think everybody knew that this situation could happen and was going to happen uh you know once tennessee it happened and then obviously you know new england losing two of their best players uh to, with the COVID virus that they, they knew that everything had to be flexible and obviously they shook everything up. Uh, I know some players weren't happy. Melvin Gordon was very uh, outspoken when he said like, we practiced all week and then all of a sudden you're going to tell us we can't play because obviously new England had COVID cases and they had to shut things down. But um, you know, you have to feel for some teams, but then again, you don't because some didn't follow the protocols obviously. And you know, kudos to the teams that haven't had COVID cases yet and have done things the right way. Hopefully, you know, it, it shows that, you know, if you do the right things that this virus won't get you. And, you know, <clears throat> obviously, you know, they, you, you, mentioned the bubble talk, like it, the NBA prime example, the bubble worked. I mean, they, they handled it the right way. Yeah. Players had to be away from their families. Coaches had to be away from their families. Media that uh, was able to be in the bubble had to be away from their families for three months. But things got handled the right way. There was no hiccups, and they finished the season. And obviously, baseball uh, is doing the playoff bubble. They're letting fans in for the championship series and the World Series. But they're proving that the bubble's working. I mean, obviously, they had their hiccups during the regular season, but. I mean, the NFL, it's going to be interesting to see what they have in mind for their playoff bubble, but I think it just shows it's working. And if teams don't do the right things, obviously you're going to be in a situation like the Titans where you, i uh, you shook the whole schedule up just because you guys didn't handle the situation the right way and followed the correct protocol.
1: Yeah, I think the, uh, the playoff bubbles is a really good idea, uh, that's something that I think should have been a possibility from the get-go of the season. Um, moving on to uh, the saints now who had a very nice uh, come from behind win last night to uh, against the La Los Angeles Chargers and uh, Justin Herbert, who's looked very good uh, so far this season. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, They have uh, an issue with one of their star players, uh, Michael Thomas, who was in an altercation uh, late last week. The team decided to discipline him. You know, much like uh, AJ Green, maybe uh, Thomas, with the things that have gone on there, uh, could be facing uh, being put on the the trading block. Is that something that you could foresee, Jack?
0: Honestly, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, it was surprising obviously Michael Thomas has been injured and then you, you see these reports like he's not going to play. Then it comes out that got in a fight with a teammate. And then there was a report today that, you know, he was being disobedient to the coaches when they told him to, you know, back off, you know, calm down. And I mean, it's unlike him. We never heard this stuff uh, at Ohio state when he was with the uh, Buckeyes. But uh, do I see them treating him? Maybe not yet. Maybe if it keeps continuing this way, I mean obviously they do say every superstar wide receiver has diva tendencies and they're finally starting to come out of Michael Thomas. Uh uh I don't think they'd trade him because I think you see that the Saints offense obviously uh seems more uh on point when he's out there although they uh looked pretty good last night in the comeback win. It was funny. I I had said in like the first half I said this is the week where we finally realized Philip Rivers and Drew Brees were washed. And then, you know, breeze leads them to come back on a comeback victory with the chargers. So, uh, I don't think they trade Thomas just yet, but I mean, if he st- he keeps acting like a diva, um, who knows?
1: Um, there's also been two teams that have, uh, made head coaching changes. Uh, one is the Houston Texans who fired Bill O'Brien and the Atlanta Falcons who fired, uh, Dan Quinn. Um, Obviously, those two franchises have had uh, high expectations, and you know Atlanta has uh, done nothing but struggled since being up twenty-eight to three against the the Patriots in the Super Bowl uh, a few years ago. Um, Ever since then, things have just gone completely downhill for the Falcons, and uh, with the Texans, um, that's going to be an interesting situation because. Uh, whoever comes in there, uh, the new general manager, new coach, they don't have a first or second round pick uh, in next year's draft. And you would tend to think that uh, players on that team, uh, maybe besides a you know, maybe besides like Deshaun Watson, um, everybody's touchable. Uh, I, w- I would think in, in terms of uh, trades and um, you know being moved, and that's certainly as a, uh, something that could happen. I, I don't know how much they would trade without really having a, a GM right now. But uh, I could certainly see some guys getting moved before the trading deadline. And kind of the, the same for the Falcons. If they want to uh, you know, move on from Matt Ryan, which is uh, some of the, the talk today, um, that the ownership and Arthur Blank isn't really sold on him uh, at, at this moment. So we could see... Uh, two teams really settle off pieces here uh, uh, over the next couple of weeks before the trading deadline.
0: Yeah. I mean, we didn't get to talk about obviously Bill O'Brien getting fired last week, but you know, I think Bill O'Brien, the GM really got Bill O'Brien, the coach fired. I mean, you look at some of the moves he has made, um, you know, trading Deandre Hopkins, not getting much back in return for him. Uh, trading two number ones for Laramie Tunsil and paying him a big contract, yet the offensive line is still struggling. Um, I think you just seen it when, you know, Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt, just their post-game press conferences uh, prior to the firing, like they did not look happy. There was obviously reports coming out after the fact that, you know, J.J. Watt uh, got into an argument with O'Brien on the practice field. So uh, that just shows that they didn't have much confidence in him. They go out and win this past Sunday. Romeo Cornell's their interim coach. I mean, good job for Romeo. There's a video of him dancing in the locker room. Like nice to see Romeo get another shot at head coach. He's obviously one of the best dudes uh, in the NFL. Um, You know, in terms of their fire sale, I agree with you. Like everybody, but Deshaun Watson's up for grabs. The problem is they don't really have any players that could garner top draft picks. Maybe they trade JJ Watt, but I don't see anybody giving up a first round pick for him. Maybe a two, maybe a three that could become a two. Uh, a lot of the other guys are just not that talented, uh, you know, just I don't see them garnering top draft picks. So like you said, whoever the next GM and head coaches are kind of in a tough situation for the next couple years, at least. And then with Atlanta, I mean, Dan Quinn getting fired wasn't a surprise, uh, and, but Dimitrov kind of was their GM, uh, although he's been there for a long time and. Uh, Some of their top draft picks really didn't pan out uh, outside of, you know, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, Matt Ryan, um, he's struggling, but he's got a big cap hit this year and next year. He's pretty much untradeable. Are they going to be in the QB market if they keep losing? I would think so. And then try to move Matt Ryan at some point. Uh, But they need to completely just tear that down. In Atlanta, I would think, you know, they try to move Julio Jones. Uh maybe they move Alex Mack if a team needs an offensive lineman. Uh, but that's that both of those situations, if it wasn't for Deshaun Watson, I could see Houston and Atlanta just tearing it down and going full on rebuild. Uh so that those two situations are definitely gonna be interesting to watch to see who they ultimately bring in as the next head coaches for each team.
1: Yeah, at least uh it's I nice said right now we don't have to worry about that. Hopefully we're not worrying about that for like the next 10 years. Um, I'm tired of coaching changes and looking at coaching candidates. And thankfully we don't have to do that this year. Uh Or Absolutely. for, or for, like I said, the next like 10 years, hopefully. So i no, um, just
0: waiting on the jets. And when are they? Yeah. Fire Adam Gase?
1: <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that one is certainly the the next one uh I would think would, would come down. Is there any other, uh Coach, you think is, is is on the hot seat to where uh, they could join uh, the the Falcons and the Texans and uh, eventually the Jets and looking for a head coach? Uh,
0: off the top of my head, I would. I mean, Jacksonville seems like a next uh, one that could likely happen. Does the Giants fire Joe Judge if like they're zero five right now? Are they? I mean. Joe judge was kind of a shocking hire at the time. It was Patriots special teams coach. No one really knew about him. Like he could be one. And I feel like at that point you would fire him. You might as well fire Gettleman and start over. Uh, Daniel Jones isn't looking too good. So they're going to be in the QB market. Obviously uh, Anthony Lynn, maybe they're one in four. Although Justin Herbert's looking pretty damn good as a rookie. I mean, those would be the other, those would be the teams. Obviously I could see coming next behind the jets, Jacksonville, the chargers and the giants Uh, and even you know the lions got to talk about obviously matt patricia he's struggling the vikings one and four i mean mike zimmer is probably getting towards the end of the road i mean you always see like six to eight teams switching head coaches every year so uh obviously we already had two and i just named like six teams that all could be making switches at the end of the year for sure
1: how about the uh, how about the Eagles coach? Uh, or do you give him possibly a, a, another quarterback to work with before you make that decision?
0: Let him, you know, because let him let me see what he could do with Jalen Hurts before you really want to make the decision, the switch. I mean, I mean, it's obvious Doug Peterson showed something when he won that Super Bowl with Nick Foles. I mean, Carson Wentz is been struggling and that looks better and better for deep and Sashi uh, every week Um, but yeah I'd let him hey see what he could do with Jalen Hurts if it doesn't work then pull the plug but uh, the the NFC East is obviously a complete dumpster fire of a division as a whole so uh, who knows I wouldn't give I wouldn't cut ties with Doug Peterson just yet he seemed like a pretty good coach so uh, I wouldn't throw him in there just yet but crazier things have happened
1: All right, Jack, as we get on out of here, is there anything else that uh, we want to discuss?
0: No, we're good. Uh, I tweeted it out, but uh, just thanks, everybody, that has listened or contributed to this podcast uh, through the first 200 episodes. Uh, I won't speak for Anthony, but we uh, uh, definitely appreciate you guys uh, for listening, and uh, whoever's been a guest, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it, and uh, here's the 200 more.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll let you speak for me because that's that's pretty much my sentiment as well. I, I really appreciate all our listeners, those who listen to us every week, um, whenever we put out a podcast. Those of us who, those of you who read uh, us on the website, um, those of us who have followed us and supported us, um, we truly appreciate it. And you know, we Jack and I. Um, we do this because we love it. We really enjoy it. And, you know, it with without listeners, uh, you know, we really want to have a show. So, you know, we really truly appreciate all you guys and everybody else who's been on the podcast as a guest. We've had so many different people on and, um, it's just been a a fantastic ride so far. And, you know, we're going to continue this ride and hopefully, we can get, continue the ride with the Browns uh, winning more games. Hopefully, they win this game uh, on Sunday uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, move to 5 and 1. Uh, and if that's the case, this, uh, the city and this uh, section of Ohio is going to be uh, pretty much uh, on fire, and it's going to be a, a great time. And um, uh, until then, like I said, we'll be back uh, Thursday night with Tony Serino. Uh, we'll talk Brown Steelers with him. Until then, and as always, most importantly, go Browns. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning.